Kaminsky had it, lost it. Eisenman picks it up. Eisenman moving. Blue line chance. Steve Ladies and gentlemen, this is Puck Puck Pass, and these are your hosts, the hockey know-it-alls, KJ and Zach Mack. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Puck Puck Pass. We're here to sing Gloria all day, all night. As always, I'm your host, KJ, joined by Zach Mack. How are you doing today, bud? Oh, I'm doing well. So excited to be here. Good morning, KJ. Um, yeah, I mean, it's afternoon. Uh, oh, okay. So yeah, let me explain to you. Uh, morning. Morning because we've got a hundred and some days before we can watch an NHL game again. And I'm sad about it. And I've been mourning all day. But it's good because the Stanley Cup is going to say St. Louis Blues for the first time ever. Yes, and we are in mourning. Thank you for bringing that up. It is a long, long time uh, until we're going to see the guys back on the ice. But you're right. It's it's nice to celebrate a little. Um, I feel petty because I'm more excited that it's not the Bruins than the fact that it is <laughs> the, the Blues. But we, it was a good ride. It was a hell of a playoffs all the way through for for – you know, the, the first the first round upsets to second round craziness to rules and officials and all sorts of stuff. Um, and then we kind of had a straightforward game seven. No bullshit. Just really a great game. If you're not rooting for Boston, um, you probably know by now, if you're listening to this, that the Blues won four to one. I'm already forgetting the score because they <laughs> won the series. So who cares? But Four to one, five to one, something like that. They dominated, um, start to finish. What did What did you think about that game? Just we'll we'll get into details and we'll really dive into what happened in this game seven. But will you, how'd you walk away feeling? Yeah, I, I like I like your sentiment about it being just a normal game seven because that's it's it was, you know, as far if, if you think about the, the stuff the the roller coaster we went through in this postseason as far as you know refs and injuries and whatnot, and it was. It was just, a, it seemed like the refs, at, at least towards the beginning of the game, were kind of letting them play. Um, that they, they let some calls go that, you know, you know, one fan base was going to be upset about, the other one wasn't, no matter how it went. So I thought they did a good job of letting them play, and it was it was a fun, it was an exhilarating game to watch, I thought. It really was. It was the most fun you can have watching two teams that really, it was just like, it was kind of a dirty series, and on both sides, like the blues were running people and it wasn't clean from start to finish. But I think if you're going to get an ending uh, other than games, other than like overtime, and we've talked about game sevens, we know how we feel about them. And I'm not going to say I didn't have fun watching last night because I did. I didn't have a lot of vested interest and I, I would have been disappointed, obviously, if it had gone the other way. But, you know, letting them play a little bit of this, there wasn't really anything dirty. Um, and the blues just played a really fundamentally sound game and they counterpunched like I've never seen. They were just, they were letting the Bruins set themselves up to be scored on. And I hadn't really seen the blues play too much of that through this, throughout this series. Yeah. I thought the, the counterattacks were very spot on. I thought St. Louis was again, and they kind of, I, I think they, they got a hold of this towards the back half of the series. I would argue that they just had a game plan and they were going to stick to it. It seemed like Boston wanted to be aggressive and they just wanted to get as much on Bennington as they could, no matter where it was from. 
And it seemed like St. Louis, although they didn't have as many chances, seemed like they were always looking for the best shot they could get. And I think it just it that's ultimately what won them the series. Yeah, I mean, shots were for a while not even close. At one point, it was like twenty three to ten in Boston's favor, but they weren't getting good shots. Now they had some great shots, and we'll get into Bennington later. But in how stellar he was last night. But if you looked at the stat sheet before it was three, nothing, let's say it looked like Boston should have been winning that game, but at no point did I think after the first period that Boston was going to win that game. They never seemed in control. And we've talked about analytics and we've talked about it with Jackson before. Like it's not always numbers. There's an eye test to this and not that numbers are important, but you watch that game. I don't care if the Bruins were out shooting them 20 to 20 to two, the blues were going to win that game from the start. Yeah. Yep. There's a lot to dissect um, throughout this game and we, you know, how we felt after and everything. But when you're, when you're watching, let's say middle of the second period and things are starting to change, were you looking any particular way? Uh, Well, early second period, I should say. Uh, were you looking for anything in particular for either team to do to either gain a bigger edge if you're St. Louis or to come back if you're Boston? Because we didn't see a lot of change in either team's game plan, and that helped the Blues and hurt Boston. Yeah, I thought I was expecting Boston to come out aggressive physically in the second period, especially with Petrangelo netting one with seven seconds left in the first, put him up 2 nothing, and it seemed almost like a dagger at that point. Um, and I know it's still early in the game, and one period does not make an entire game. But that second goal was so huge for St. Louis, and I thought Boston was going to come out and try to – because they already had – like you mentioned, they already had a huge shot advantage. So I thought they were going to come out and be physical and try to just bully the Blues back into like a chip in, you know, maybe 2-1 at the end of the second, score early in third, make it 2-2, make it interesting. And I just never really saw that. You're right. Nobody really adjusted. Yeah, it it was weird, and – and Blues fans I saw on Twitter were weary of that 2-0 two, two lead because in game one, you know, we right. saw them blow a similar two-goal lead. And there just wasn't signs of that. And Bennington, let's just, let's get right into Bennington because he's such a huge part of why he, I mean, you could really say he is the reason they won game seven. He wasn't the reason they won any of the games they won in the, or any of the previous three they won. But last night, the kid who we all start, most of us started to think he wasn't ready for this moment, proved on the biggest stage at the biggest moment that he could make the biggest saves. He made one of the greatest saves I've seen this season last night. Oh, the that kid, toe the save in the second yeah. period? Yes. That, it, I think that is what was the nail in the coffin. I saw that, and I was like, I don't think St. Louis is this game. That's a... That's a good point, and uh, I'm sure a lot of people thought that too. Like, you, if you're Boston, you've been pressuring and, pre- and they had some good pressure, like we said. But to see Bennington just kind of get into the zone, and it shouldn't have taken as long as it did for him to play like that. But he got to the he got to that point in Game Seven, and it was huge. And he's the biggest reason why they won. On the other end, Tuka Rask just fell apart. I mean, he was not ready for for the pressure or the moment or whatever it was. 
he was not ready for game seven. Have, have we seen, and I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, but have we seen a goalie play so well for six games and then just have this happen to him? It's it. I mean, I can think of just because I'm a Red Wings fan of when uh, Detroit played Colorado, and I I don't remember if it was Game Seven, but Patrick Watt absolutely just fell apart in a game. I he threw the puck. He was trying to celebrate through the puck in his own net. I don't know how many people remember that. I I I want to say it was a Game Seven. Maybe it wasn't. Oh, I but, I remember what you're talking about. He was like showing off the glove save and putting yeah. it in his own net. Yeah. Yeah, and I the Red Wings won that game like seven nothing, and I can't remember if it was it was a series clincher. I don't know if it was a game seven, but uh, no, it's it's that's a good point you bring up, and especially considering that the the other goalie and we've talked enough about Bennington, but I mean he's a rookie, so it's so many things could have gone wrong for Bennington, and just to even make it to the final like he did, uh, being a rookie playing half the season, it was amazing, and and he could have lost, and people still would have been like, wow, this kid's you know he's amazing. So for him to for him to step up in Game Seven and and for Rask to not was it was shocking. I I don't really know how else to say it. Yeah, it. I think you're right. I think it was shocking to people rooting for the Blues who maybe thought that Rask was the only thing that was going to stop them, and it had to be shocking for Boston fans who put everything as far as like their faith into Tuukka Rask, who was phenomenal up until that point. And if it ends two nothing, I still think Tuka Rask is is the consummate. But I I said when we you and I were texting last night, and I said if it's four nothing, that's the only way Tuka loses the consummate. <laughs> and at one point it was four nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say and I'm going to take a step back for a second. Thinking of 2013 when Boston came back four one on Toronto in the third period when Boston scores to make it 4-1, and there's only, like, three minutes left. But did any of those thoughts start to creep into your mind? Like, even a what-if. Like, oh, my God. Like, they've done it before. What if this team does it again? Yeah, so I was, I was watching uh, – I had my, I was watching with my roommate, and I – it's funny you bring that up because I literally said there was – they had the empty net, and it was 4-1. Uh, to <laughs> And I was like, if Boston scores before – I think I said like the 145 mark. I said they make this four to two before the 145 mark. We are in a world of trouble, I think. And uh, I mean, luckily it never came to fruition. But yeah. but yes, yes. To answer your question, those thoughts definitely did creep in. Yeah, it was it was a hell of a game. And for I I do feel sorry for Rask because I can only imagine what he's feeling as far as his guilt and everything. And I know his teammates aren't ever going to you know blame him, not publicly at least. Uh, and there's always those sour fans who will say, you know, that he choked and he's really not that good and he got lucky in the first, like, they'll say what they will. He was fantastic. He definitely lost the Conn Smythe in mine and probably everyone else's eyes last night. Uh, but Ryan O'Reilly won it. And, I mean, you've said it before and you think that's the right choice? Yeah, I, th- I think... Uh... Yeah, I mean O'Reilly, he scored what he scored the first goal like four games in a row, last four games or something like that. First yeah, team, he was on like I, a six game point streak in the Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah, something like that. So, and I think he came out today and said that he was playing with a, a he cracked a rib against Dallas. Did you see that? I haven't seen. I've been waiting to go over the the revealing of all the injuries. Uh, I had a crazy day at work, but I I figured we'd start seeing those trickle in as the day went on. Yeah. So yeah, he came out and said he's 
uh, the way he worded it is he sort of cracked a rib in the series oh, against Dallas. So sort of okay. Yeah, I mean, I, people are gonna you know you know tag him with that hashtag hockey guy now um, yeah. because he played through an injury. I don't know if there's really a, a treatment or cure or whatever we have for a cracked rib. I don't know what you go through for that. So it seems like he's gonna be playing regardless. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I there's. I loved every part of his game, especially in the, the latter half of the playoffs. He was he was incredible. He to amass the amount of points he did throughout the playoffs and to be the guy for a team that's been looking for the guy for so long. Because Vladimir Tarasenko is a gifted scorer, but as he gets older, he's not as consistent as he used to be. I think I mentioned that actually a couple of episodes ago. Uh, and Colton Pareko was incredible at the blue line. And Alex Petrangelo did what he did. But for a guy, you know, on the forefront, in, in those top six forwards, he did everything and more that they could have expected out of him. Uh, I mean, talk about a trade. They gave up nothing for him. Yeah, I was going to say, he's a I mean, winner. yeah, good for him. I mean, for the, the stuff he endured in uh, Buffalo, I mean – it's it's just it's gotta feel so good for him. Yeah, I mean, I tweeted it last night. He it seems like just yesterday he was driving his his pickup truck through the front of a. <laughs> it's uh it's got to be such an incredible feeling for him though, and it's so many Jake Allen who obviously didn't play all but a few minutes of the blowout game three, mm-hmm. uh, but it's uh, you know it's guys like that that I'm glad will get their uh, get their name on the cup. Jay Bowmeister, what a what a what a cool guy! Played so yeah. many games before getting to this point. Yeah, did you see? I, did, did you watch the? Uh, I mean, the cup handoff. Yeah, I waited to see who he was going to pass it to. Yeah, so it was it was Bowmeister, right? He was first. He was first, and I think I, I liked how Thorburn was towards the beginning too. I thought that was a ton of respect they were showing towards somebody who's not necessarily you know filling the stat sheet, but he's a key part to what they're trying to accomplish in a deep playoff run. I thought that was, I thought that was super cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're so self-aware sometimes of, of who has put in so much work and hasn't been rewarded for it. And I know the ultimate reward is the Stanley cup, like all your work. The only reward a lot of these guys want is the Stanley cup, but you know, some of them win art Rosses and hearts and, and Lady Bings and Selkies and, and you know, like they do all sorts yeah. of things, but for guys who will never have an individual award to be able to lift that cup is, is probably a feeling that well, I probably shouldn't say that as a married man, but it's gotta be an incredible feeling. It, it, <laughs> it's, 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 uh, I'm really happy for those guys and they seemed genuinely, genuinely excited and, and happy to bring it home to St. Louis. I think that's one of the biggest things that people have been harping on today. And you can't say it enough with the this 40 or 52 year drought in most recently the the Rams leaving St. Louis they've been starving for for something magical like this and you I mean I don't know destiny luck a hot goalie whatever you want to call it they played hard as hell for seven games more than seven games but this series in particular uh they definitely earned it you can there's no doubt about that yeah it was uh yeah, I mean, not to sound cliche, but it was a blue-collar championship for a blue-collar city. It was. It, it definitely was. On the other end, and I, I don't want to drag anybody who's already feeling terrible, um, but they do make it so easy. And one of the 
one of the key moments you spoke on the Petrangelo goal with seven seconds left, everyone noticed right away that Brad Marchand came off the ice for a change with seven seconds left in the period, allowing that goal, basically. What do you attribute to that? Is that just a total mental collapse? Is it not being aware? Is it lazy? What is the, cause he's a great player and he's got great hockey sense. How does that happen to a superstar player in game seven? Yeah, it's, it's part of the reason why I'm not dogging Rask so, so much is because those, those two goals in the period where one was a tipped shot. I mean, it's, he, he left a little bit of the bottom open, but still, I mean, it's tough to, tough to stop a tip shot. Uh, and then this happens where Marchand goes off for a line change with 10 seconds left. I, I mean, I don't know how gassed you got to be, but I, he came out and explained that he thought that there wasn't as many people come down the ice as there were. I mean, I don't know. I'm trying not to rub it in because that makes me know better than a Boston fan. But Marshawn's like, I mean, come on, man. You're you're a hockey player. You've been a hockey player for 10 seasons. There's 10 seconds left. You know how many people are on the ice at all times. Let's. I, I really, I, there's really no excuse for it. I, I feel bad for him because, you know, it, it was a crucial goal. But, yeah, I don't know what uh, – I, I don't know if someone's waving him to the bench. I really – I can't really come up with a reason on why he just bolted to the bench after I, – I, I don't know why he did it. Yeah, it's just really – watching the replay, and they show the replay so many times, <laughs> especially during intermission, intermission. It it was a really nice goal by Petrangelo, but it should have never happened. And I have no problem – if it comes off as rubbing it in, I apologize because that's not my intent – um, I just, it's a huge mental error and it's something that it, it's not something that you can fix. Like he just, he made a mistake and did it cost them the cup? Probably not. Uh, but did it cost them some confidence and momentum? Probably. And you, I'm not going to drag him. I'm not going to say he's an idiot or a bad player, but it was a huge mistake and a huge moment that we see players make all the time. It's just it's not like Brad Marchand to to be so stupid, uh, and, yeah. and that that's harsh. But you, right. you get it. But yeah, I mean you're right, and it's such it's such a crucial game. It's something that I mean I could if we're sitting here talking about you know Charlie Coyle did it or you know someone else on the Bruins did it. Maybe it's a, a little bit more of a pass. But I, you're Brad Marchand. I mean it's Game Seven. You got you got to know what you're doing. Yeah, I, I was just recently told he's the best left winger in hockey. So yeah, <laughs> um, it, there were there were guys on the the Bruins side who were just uh, Charlie McAvoy and and uh, Tory Crew played like twenty seven minutes last night, and Mark like like Charlie Coyle's name I didn't hear at all, and he played like eleven minutes. Marcus Johansson played like seventeen. Guys were getting kind of like a disproportionate amount of minutes because. I think Bruce Cassidy was starting to get a feel for who he needed on the ice. And we, we can talk about now the, the Bruins top line. I won't, I won't bury Marshan again here, but the Bruins top line was embarrassingly and shockingly putrid last night. Nothing, no spark from them at all. It, how? Yeah, it's, and they had troubles early on in the series. Obviously, we were talking about it. You know, we were like, "When's the perfection line going to show up?" Then they showed up. By the way, they... that's canceled. We're done with that. There, we they are never <laughs> to be referred to as the perfection line again. 
I okay, won't go so, to the 90 seconds right now, but that's canceled. <laughs> okay, so the artists formerly known as the Perfection Line <laughs> were <laughs> they were uh, so we all know they were gone at the beginning of the series. Then they came back. They disappeared again. I. Yeah, I mean, you can't, as a Boston fan, obviously you're upset you didn't win a championship, but you can't win to expect to, or you can't expect to win when your your so-called best players are gone for half the series and, and in the most important game. I, it, it was It was so weird to see, like, Patrice Bergeron just like a corpse on the ice. He he did nothing. No one provided anything. I think that's the it, first time I've heard his name in the last week. It, it, like it, <laughs> it, it sounds like exaggeration, but we really, David Pasternak, I was like looking up his stats to see what he did. If he did anything. And he didn't. Like, <laughs> so sad that you have to do that. It It's just so crazy to see, you know, we were dogging, and I want to be fair because we were dogging, Colorado's top line for disappearing in the regular season. They they performed in the playoffs and you didn't get a ton out of this top this Bruins top line for the entirety of the playoffs. Granted, they weren't tested that much, I don't think. So the what the Blues gave them in the first five games, I'd say, probably shell shocked the Bruins a little bit. But these these are guys that Pasternak's a little younger, obviously, but Martian and Bergeron have seen it all. And they've won a cup. And they're two of the better players in the league. And this does kind of change the way I view them as players. I, I don't know if that's, is that too far? Uh, no, I don't think it is. And I, I, I think it's, it's really going to be a matter of, because I don't think the, the Boston Bruins are heading down a successful trail for the long term. I think, I mean, I think they could be good for the next couple of seasons, but it's really going to be a matter of, do they turn it into the Los Angeles Kings? where these guys just disappeared and they're just too old for the game now? Or is it like the Chicago Blackhawks where, they, I, you know, they're not, as good, they're not as good as they used to be, but their star players are still performing. I, I, I feel like it's one or the other. Yeah. And it's up to that top line. No, that, and that's a good point. And, I mean, obviously I'd say it's a good point no matter what you brought up the Blackhawks. But <laughs> <laughs> you're right because there is that, in my personal opinion, and I won't harp on it, but – Patrice Bergeron isn't the player everyone makes him out to be. I don't think Patrice Bergeron is like this transcendent superstar. He's a very good player, but as soon as he is officially old, which he might be getting there, he's done. His his career will just plummet. Brad Marchand, I have hope for to be an older guy who performs pretty well. Granted, he's got to stay healthy because he's a very little guy. Um, but you, I, I think you're right. They can't rely on David Pasternak, Tory Krug, and Charlie McAvoy to lead this team to the promised land in five, six years. They they just aren't enough. A lot can change in that time, but they don't have the, the setup right now to have continued success, kind of similar to the Kings. You're right. That's a good point. Besides the top line, because both teams' top line were sometimes there, sometimes not this whole series. We talked about Bennington. We talked about Rask. Defensively, both teams were – these were probably the two best defensive teams other than the Islanders who had a great goaltend – great 
hot whatever goaltender to help mm-hmm. him out. I was pleasantly surprised at how defensively sound these two teams were without having to be like Scott Stevens-esque with the huge hits and trying to hurt everyone every time you hit them. I know the league is – this was a great offensive year for the league, but it, in such a copycat system, are teams going to be looking for maybe not the Eric Carlson's, but the Roman Yossi's and Ryan Ellis's of the world to fill out a solid blue line and, and just make sure they score enough to get by? Yeah, that's that's a really good point because I, I don't think – I mean, other than the blowout game where Bennington got chased from the net, I don't think there was too many, like – Poor defensive performances. There wasn't any, you know, blitzkrieg goal, 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 goal uh, games this series. Uh, so, yeah, I think – and I think you see it with, like, w- Winnipeg. Uh, I, yeah, I think they're going to go more towards, yeah, like you said, just, just like a stout defense. Because you're right. I mean, you, we didn't really see <laughs> – I love the Scott Stevens reference, by the way. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, we didn't, we didn't really see that. There was no, you know – Darren McCarty, as I, as I like to say, yeah. no, 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 none of that was going on, and it was it's I I wouldn't be surprised to see teams model after that. Yeah, because it seems like every year there's a new model, um, and there's really not a lot of a ton of I should say consistency. The way the the Penguins and in Capitals won it, there's some similarities there, but the first year the Pittsburgh won it without Chris Letang. So now everyone's thinking, oh, do you need a star defenseman? You know, and then they win it next year with Murray still hot and Sidney Crosby is Sidney Crosby. So now there's no blueprint. And then the best scorer ever with some solid defensemen wins it next year with the Capitals. Like there's just been, there's been this back and forth all the time. Yeah. This Blues team is not going to repeat. I think that, well, okay, I'll pose it right now. Of these two teams, do either of them have a good chance of getting back here? I think Boston's got a better chance. I would agree with you there. I don't think St. Louis repeats, which also makes you know this this championship so much sweeter. But yeah, I, I think Boston's got the more immediate hopeful yeah, future. Yeah, and we t- as soon as I said that, I remembered we touched on that briefly. But after watching last night, I actually disagree. Okay. I did agree with you last week because Boston, the way Boston's built, neither team has a great chance to get back to the finals. But if if the season started tomorrow, and obviously momentum and everything in that itself, but I think the Blues have a good shot of getting back. With the offseason, I think teams in the Central are going to get better. And after after kind of looking through the playoffs and how they got to the finals, the Central Division is just going to be loaded even heavier next year. So the Blues have a tougher road, but the better team. Um, to speak to defense real quick before we get off of it, the seven games of the series, 4-2, 3 2 7 2 4 2 2 5 1 5 1 So in game six, I think the Blues, once they were down 3-0 or 3-1, whatever it was, just they knew there was a game seven and they didn't probably push themselves as hard. But one team was dominant defensively every game. And I, I never like defensive games in any sport. But this was entertaining defensively, which makes no its whole contradiction. But it was entertaining defense. Yeah, I, I would agree. It was, it was tactical. 
Now we have the NHL awards coming up, and I'm totally throwing this at you because it just popped up on the NHL.com homepage. I know regular season, I know votes are supposed to be already in and, and people vote how they will, but did anybody that made the playoffs, now that they're over, change your mind as far as maybe MVP or, or I know how you are about the Calder um, or, or Vesna or anything like that it, as we approach award season. We'll do an episode dedicated to the awards, but is your mind changed on anything after after last night kind of ended the playoffs? Not kind of. Did <laughs> the playoffs? Uh, for the most part, I'd say no. Um, I mean, I think you're right. I, I'm and I'm a big Bennington guy. Obviously, I don't try to hide that. I think he cemented himself as the best. Hey, you were right. You were you were absolutely. Hold on, let me stop you there. Zach Mack predicted that the Sabers run was fake, and the Blues were someone to look out for. He did all this. I'm going to brag about being right all the time. My co-host Zach Mack basically called this months ago. So congratulations to you. You can take your victory lap another time. <laughs> I wanted to get that out there for anyone that doesn't follow us on Twitter yet that that you did in fact predict this. So congratulations. Yeah, thank you, man. I appreciate that. That was back in uh <laughs> that was back in February. Uh, I wrote an article on it. So yeah, you listeners go check out our articles. There might have been some other hidden gems there that we predicted. Um you know you might find. But uh yeah, so back to uh back to Bennington. I think uh yeah, he cemented himself as the best rookie. Obviously, you know, maybe he didn't play enough games in the regular season to win the award, but I think uh I would put him slightly ahead of Pedersen at this point, but as far as uh, the other awards go, I'm not really uh, – no, I wasn't really swayed one way or the other. What about you? Not entirely, no. I I do have to concede that if I was a fly in a room or on the wall in a room of hockey writers voting for the Calder, I might be whispering Bennington. And I don't know how – these guys can keep themselves from changing their votes or how the NHL does that. Because after last night, you know, the NHL is just hoping that they can give that award to Bennington. Like they'll find a way to, and Pedersen deserves it just as much, but this, this Bennington guy, whether or not he can, he can keep it up next year because the sophomore slump is a real thing. Um, but whether or not he turns into Dominic Hasek or Cam Ward, remains to be seen, but he had a rookie yeah. season that we'll never forget. That's for sure. Especially when he wasn't even supposed to be the best rookie goaltender in the league this year. We talked about that before, but what he did with expectations so low is, is incredible. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you think, I guess another possibility is that maybe Craig Berube cemented his Jack Adams award. I think so. Yeah. I, I don't think there's any doubt that, as much as we talk about Bennington, if you can only give credit to two people, it's those two guys. Doug yeah. Armstrong did a great job building this team. He deserves a lot of credit. We talk about Ryan O'Reilly and the defense. But without those two guys, I don't know, the Blackhawks might make the playoffs. So I hate them again <laughs> for it. But it, it, it is a totally different team. It's a totally different landscape in the NHL. I mean, think about it. The NHL just changed dramatically because a, a new team is etched in history. An expansion team with one of the longest droughts did you know what they've been trying to do for a half century. Yeah. Now the longest drought is Toronto. <laughs> the longest, the longest drought of a team that's won a cup. I should say. Okay. Like, okay, it okay. Might be the longest overall, but I, 
No, it's still funny. It's not it's, the longest overall. Yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> Go Raptors. Um, yeah. You no, you just you did it. You you're sending me into 90 seconds unprepared. Are, are you happy <laughs> about this? I need 90 seconds. All right, you got 90 seconds. I don't care if the if the St. Louis Blues are made up entirely of Canadians. They are an American team. To think that that Canadians can take credit for a cup when they still haven't won one 26 years after the last Canadian team won a cup is insane to me that that's what the, the hill they're willing to die on, that Canadians just won this cup. Yes, there's a lot of Canadians on the team. That's awesome. There were a lot of college former college players on Boston. Is the NCAA going to say that they just won the Stanley Cup? Tonight, we're going to watch Toronto hopefully beat Golden, the Golden State Warriors in Game 6 of the NBA Finals. Not for a second, not for a second am I going to think about all the American players, which could be all of them, uh, sub Marcus Saul and, and Pascal Siakam. The entirety of, of the NBA is almost all American players. There's great foreign players on that team, but if there's six Spain, guys from Spain on the Memphis Grizzlies and they win the cup, nobody from Spain cares, or the, the NBA Finals, nobody from Spain cares that they just won the NBA Finals. And for Canadians to constantly tweet out after every single Stanley Cup final that there were mostly Canadians on that team and try to claim it as their own is such a grab at achievement, greatness, whatever. It's just despair and being desperate for recognition. All the all the Canadian teams that have been good over the last two and a half decades have had a, a fair shot. Toronto completely blew an incredible chance at the Cup this year. They'll have another one next year. But when Austin Matthews wins Conn Smythe, I'm not going to talk about how the Americans just won the Cup because that's not how it works. The St. Louis Blues of America, the U.S. of A., won the Cup last <laughs> night. There's there's no Canadian fortitude or, or, or however we want to describe it. Canada is still Cupless after 26 years. Quit with the I, I'm so upset at Canadians right now. I don't even know. I don't even know where to go from that. Just stop trying to make yourselves relevant. You're 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 26 years removed. How many times do I have to say it? The Montreal Canadiens are not winning the cup next year. The only two teams with a chance at the cup next year are Toronto and Calgary. Because apparently Patrick Line wants out of Winnipeg. Toronto and Calgary are your two chances. And they've got a gauntlet to get to the cup. It, it, it We're probably going on 27 years since a Canadian team has won the cup after next year. If it's one, if it's 22, the amount of Canadian players did not affect the location of the team that won the cup. Please cut it out. And that's my piece. <laughs> That is that's the best ninety second. If we're to rank all the ninety seconds so far, that was the best one. I'm I'm glad you eventually threw the word desperate in there because that's what I was thinking. It's just it's just sheer desperation. It's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, I you probably could find one, but off the top of your head, I, you probably can't name uh, an NHL team that doesn't have a bunch of Canadians on it. I mean, come on. I mean, what are they going to claim they won it regardless of who won? I don't. It might actually I, be it, Boston with like the least Canadian. They have like the most Americans, <laughs> I think, to be honest. But yeah, you're you're right. It, the desperation is the you've seen that today, right? You've seen a few of those of those takes. 
I I have to be honest with you, I haven't no, I haven't laid eyes on a, a specific take like that, but I'm it doesn't shock me one bit that you've seen him. Yeah, I I get into some really dark places on that Twitter. <laughs> And uh, it, it just seems crazy. And then, like, those same people would be furious if American NBA fans tried to take away a title from them as far as, like, yeah. claiming it. I don't know. I, I I do love Canadians, and I've spent a lot of time up there. And I, it's just so bothersome that you're – because it's it's almost like nervousness, you know, that, that, that hockey doesn't belong to them anymore. Yeah, and, and yeah. That's, not that's, that's a good point. That's not true in in my eyes, at least. But you can see it from them in the way they speak and in how they go about things. That there's that anxiety of, oh my god, we're supposed to be, and they just lost the world championships, so they're probably a little bit on edge. Uh, but that's no, that's no there. excuse. The, the St. Louis Blues, they reside in the U.S. and it's a U.S. It's another U.S. Cup. So thank you, Canada, yeah. for all your blunders. Yes. Sorry about it. <laughs> Um, so that was 90 seconds. So that threw me off my game, but, uh, I'm still laughing at you talking about we're in mourning. Um, but that's something to talk about. I mean, we've got a long off season coming on. We talked about expectations last week. Um, Craig Ruby is obviously going to sign, uh, with the blues. He's going to get hopefully a long contract. He deserves a long contract and, it's funny, I living out here in Philly, there's a lot of love for Craig Ruby right now. Um, and there is an endless list, by the way, of Philadelphia Flyers, including Braden Chen last night, who have now won the cup after after leaving Philly, which is Yeah, I saw something about that. So great to me. Uh, but we're about to <laughs> we're about to come out with the way too early power rankings and, and things like that. Uh, one team because you know, we, we try to watch as much hockey as we can, and we're gonna be better next year about really nailing down bits and pieces of the season that are most important. Um, but if you could watch all 82 games of one team next season, not the Red Wings, who is the most exciting or most interesting team that you you would sit down and watch every one of their games if you could? That, that is a great question. Uh, I think I would have to say Colorado off of uh, just like – uh, it's just immediately who popped in my head. I think they're on the right trail, and I really want to see if they can get some. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Stability yeah. uh, in their in their uh, their season next year. Because I we all know they were up and down a little bit this year, but uh, I'm looking for them to get better. I, I yeah, I'm running through all the teams quickly in my head. I don't think anyone takes the uh, the crown for for Colorado for me. What who are you watching? I hate when you do that with such confidence because I, I just always hope that you have like maybe two or three teams in your head. By the way, we didn't rehearse that. Like I, I literally just threw that at Zach. But yeah. um I I do have two that I'm waffling. Okay. On. Okay. The obvious one is the Vegas Golden Knights. Okay. Yep. The the other one is the Dallas Stars for the exact same reason yeah, that I you just you said Colorado Avalanche. The exact same reason. I they Color me shocked. <laughs> it, if they had stability, they could win the Central easily. And yeah, the yeah, same right. could be said for the Avalanche. I, I think it's going to be really interesting for those two teams to see how they battle, now having the the reigning Stanley Cup champion. Nashville is probably middle of the road for me right now. I, I don't love that Nashville team, and it doesn't seem like they like each other all that much. 
Um, and, you know, Chicago rebuilds and Winnipeg is what it is. The, the, the Central is deep as, as divisions get, but I love that Colorado pick. And it, it's kind of what put Dallas into my head because it was Vegas all the way, but now I'm, now I'm unsure. Is, yeah, I had a, I had Dallas. I had Dallas on my radar a little bit. I had Calgary on my radar too. I think uh, it's as you mentioned the central. It's important to note that I think the West is going to be just generally more exciting to watch. I mean, on the East, you've got Carolina and uh, the New York Islanders upcoming, but I don't wouldn't venture to say that they're necessarily exciting teams to watch. I, I was going to say, can you imagine having to watch eighty-two Islanders? <laughs> Oh, it'd be God. nauseating. We had to watch eight this this postseason. And it was <laughs> it was disgusting. Um, but Carolina, I don't hate. I'll be interested to see if they bring the storm surge back um, because now they are. I don't think their standing in the NHL should change whether or not they do it. But with eyes on them, they'll probably have better attendance, and the expectations will be a little bit higher. I'm I'm wondering if they do away with it to kind of look like the serious team uh, in that, in that division, in that, that region, I don't think they should stop doing it though. I think it's a big part of who they are. Yeah, I would agree. I, I not, I mean, I don't really have much to add, but yeah, yeah, I think that's essentially pretty much what they're branding themselves around. Is there, is there a bad team from this year that, that you think is going to make a huge jump or we not, to me, a lot of the best teams from this year are going to stay the best teams. Yeah, I, I, there's a lot of I, – there's I got a lot of question marks surrounding Tampa. I know that they really shouldn't be. They're a good team. and But, you know, you get swept in the first round, and you, I, I kind of wonder what kind of toll that's going to have on them. Are they going to come back and just try and win, like, 75 games next year? Or are they going to – I'm interested to see how they cope with that. But, yeah, I, I don't think there's going to be too much flip-flopping. Yeah, and I agree to a point, obviously. I mean, we're both fans of bad teams, so obviously we'd like it to be the other way around. Um, but going into next season, and, and like I said time and time again, we'll really get into the nitty-gritty of the offseason as we, as we move forward. But the only middle-of-the-road team that could be better, I probably don't even have to say it, but to me it's the Canucks. Um, there's building blocks there. Could they get a free agent? Maybe if they make a trade, they probably lose an important asset. So they probably don't have to go that far, but you put a way too early and shocking Stanley cup final pick on the, uh, on the old Twitter today. Do you want to repeat that? Maybe we can, well, I'll throw one out there too, but you can repeat it for you. Yeah, sure. So mine was, I I put, uh, Vegas, you touched on Vegas earlier. I think they're going to, I don't think that they'll be like top of the standings. I don't. I don't see them like you know a one or a two seed in the West. But I, I think that it all it, it all hinges on Flurry. So okay. So my prediction was Knights over Leafs in six in the the finals. I think uh, I just have this strange vibe that the Leafs are going to solve their first round woes and they'll they'll get through it. But Vegas is going to be such a – if Fleury can have a good season and, and maintain, I think they've got what it takes. It's just going to be a little bit of adjustment because they made that deep run their first year without uh, without much, uh, I don't know, how to say, notoriety or, or big-name talent on their team, and they've got a little bit of it now. So 
it's interesting to see how they're going to adjust their, their play style a little bit around that, but I, I still think they're going to be dangerous. What's your prediction? Well, I love the Vegas Golden Knights prediction, as you probably expected. Um, I'm going to also put Vegas in the Stanley Cup Finals. And I'm actually going to go with a rematch. I'm going to stay true to my word from a couple weeks ago. I think Vegas beats Washington. I, I just think Washington is built to kind of retool, reload, and refocus. Yeah. Um, wow, that was like the most hockey thing I've ever said. But yeah, like <laughs> that they they just have enough. They, they're they not going to lose anybody important, I can't imagine. Braden Holpe has to be disappointed in himself. I, I think I'd be surprised if Washington isn't at least in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, but I, I do think... Vegas is also making itself a free agent destination. Not that Las Vegas needs help making themselves a destination, but the team itself needed a push. And like you said in another article, they paid their dues. Um, and I'm I'm slowly, you know, with the help of friends and, and professionals, getting past how bad they got robbed. And I'm I, they're ready. I think they're ready to win a cup. That Mark Stone is going to probably be the MVP next year. I'll, I'm going to double up on predictions and, and say he's the Hart Trophy winner. They're going to be so good, and Washington's going to be right there with them. It, that would be an incredible series. Either one, either one of our predictions, honestly, Vegas-Toronto would be awesome because imagine a team in their third season beating Toronto and extending <laughs> that couple of streak. Like, how incredible. I want the best for Austin Matthews, but that would be incredible. Yeah, that would be funny. Well... I think we just about hit everything. This was a this was a very laid back episode with me springing a ton on Zach, and I'm sure he's not happy about it. But the season's <laughs> over, and we're kind of adjusting to life without hockey. And you know, Zach Zach's gonna have to put his hats away because that's not acceptable during the summer. So yep, got to got to switch to the, the baseball hats. But oh god, maybe just keep the hockey hats out. <laughs> um, are you watching tonight? Are you watching the game, the basketball game tonight? Uh, I do it. Yes, I'm planning on watching it. Um, I I've voiced it before. I don't like the Warriors at all, so I'm hoping for. But I also I don't know. It's I don't see the Warriors losing every finals game at home. So uh, there's a strong chance they win tonight, and then God, it's just gonna be there if they win tonight. They're winning Game Seven. So I, are, are you watching? I'm gonna watch. Um, probably not the whole game because I I said it today earlier. I my brain just kind of like shuts off from sports for a little, for a little while after the cup is over. Yeah. I just, it's so stressful and, and we're so busy and it, it, it's just a lot. And so this being the very next night, uh, I'll watch it because it's, it's so close, but I'm really hoping Toronto wins one. So it's over and yeah. two because I just, I can't do the, the golden state victory tour again. Speaking of which, um, first of, first of all, I'm not going to pretend like I'm a Kevin Durant fan, but that's terrible, and he's important to the NBA. So this isn't an NBA podcast, but I hope he comes back soon, as soon as he can without hurting himself. But also, not to pat myself on the back, but we did talk last week about how how close the line between stupid and tough guy is. Yeah, Obviously, you can't predict an Achilles, and if if they swear – that they had no idea that the Achilles was that close to tearing, then I had no other choice to believe them. But this goes to the point where you can only make things worse when you play hurt. And I know you want to play with your guys. You, you, 
you bled and sweat and cried with these guys. But, I mean, Kevin Durant's career could very well be over because he rushed back. Yeah, and and I've voiced before, you know, how hockey kind of hangs his hat on players playing injured throughout the playoffs. But it's it's also, I think, a little easier to play through an injury in hockey than it is in basketball. So I don't – you're right. I mean, if they, if they swear up and down that they didn't know, then they didn't know, and we got to believe them. But it's yeah. – you're right. It's You got to be careful in those situations. It, it does suck. For, for people who, like, literally have no idea about basketball and don't follow it in the slightest, this is basically like if Sid, Connor, or Ovi went down. And, and we knew they were going to miss the next season because with this injury and the way Kevin Durant is built, he's going to miss the next season. Minimum. Yeah. Um, so it's a big shot to the NBA. But, yeah, I'm going to watch tonight. Hopefully the Raptors win. Uh, what else are you watching this weekend? Oh, let's see. This weekend is Father's Day weekend. So I will be out vacationing a little bit. So I probably won't catch uh, other than the game tomorrow or uh, tonight. I mean, I won't catch – much of anything else on TV, I'll probably just be watching the uh, the lake and the waves rolling. What about you? You are very lucky. Um, same. I'm going to watch the game tonight. I'm going to IKEA tomorrow, which will be a blast. That's a party. It, it will be a party. Um, I don't know if Game Seven would be Sunday. Should the Warriors win? I think it's actually Monday. The way the NBA schedule goes, so I'm probably not watching a whole lot. It's going to be a very relaxing, no stress, no worrying that. The Bruins are going to win the cup. Nothing like that. It's yeah. uh, There's a golf tournament this weekend, I think. Oh, yeah, the U.S. Open. I'll yeah. watch a little bit of that depending on how it's shaping up. Not a big Rory guy, so yeah. if he pulls away, I'll probably be done with that. But, yeah, we've got a lot coming for you guys. We, uh, we're we going to work on an off-season schedule because every week is tough when there's nothing going on. Um, so we'll be, you know, we'll be with you guys on, on Twitter, kind of giving you the schedule, but I expect next week and the week after that we'll be here. If you haven't already at puck, puck, pass pod on Twitter at belly up, Zach Mack at gear holds underscore K it's all in the outro. Uh, any last thoughts before we head out of here, bud? Uh, nope. I'm just going to be, uh, Gloria on repeat until the end of the day. If only Laura Branigan was alive to to see what her song has done for a second. It would be incredible. Well, everybody, we are sorry the NHL season is over, but the content is not. Please stick around and make sure you go to bellyupsports.com for coverage of all of this nation's great sports. Uh, the Women's World Cup, I totally forgot. We are watching that. I'm definitely watching yes. the World Cup. Yes, yes. Um, I haven't watched it yet this week because I've been so busy, but I'm going to sit down and watch a few games. So good luck to the U.S. women after winning 13 to nothing on Tuesday for Zach Mack. I'm KJ. We will see you next week. USA. We saw no light. We saw no signal. Be sure to follow your hosts on Twitter at Gearholtz underscore K, at BellyUpZachMack, and at PuckPuckPassPod.